Good morning. Grace and peace to you. That was uh, a little different. We never sang that one before like that. I love the first song as well. Thank you for the songs, Don. Uh, we had the word hallelujah in there. I wish every one of you could be here for Kid Zone. We uh, always have the kids in, the, in our opening part just yell hallelujah as loud as they can. And believe me, they yell it loudly. Really, really wonderful to hear. 2 Timothy 2.8. Uh, somebody said, you know, there's only one scripture this morning, so it means we'll be out of here by, what, 11.25 maybe? See, I don't know. Uh, you never know where the Holy Spirit will take us. I'm going to talk today a little bit about why we do things. Why do we eat? Well, we get hungry, right? And of course, we know we need nourishment. And why do we sleep? Because... We get tired, and why do we sleep in the afternoon? Because we stayed up too late the night before, and we have to take a nap, right? Yeah. Sometimes we really struggle with good reasons why we did things. You ever get into that situation? You know, the, the mountain climber, you know, the, the traditional, well, why did you climb the mountain? Well, because it was there, right? It's just a challenge, and I want to, uh, to climb that mountain. Uh, we talked in our Bible class this morning about uh, Achan, uh, who had uh, taken a, uh, a Babylonian garment and a wedge of gold when, when they had uh, destroyed uh, Jericho. And he wasn't supposed to do that. And when he was found out by Lot, they said, why'd you do it? And he says, when I saw it, I coveted it. I just wanted it. And Saul... Later, we're studying about Saul also in the Bible class, and later on, uh, he's going to do something that, again, contradicts God's command. And Samuel asking him, why'd you do it? And he's going to say, I feared the people. I feared the people. On a more personal note, why did you buy that computerized treadmill, stair-stepper, home gym thing that's now down in the basement collecting dust. Right? Why, why did you buy that? Uh, why did you buy that 49 Plymouth haul of a car for three grand and is now still sitting in your backyard and you're saying, someday, someday I'm going to restore that thing. Right? Why, why did you do that? Or... Uh, why, uh, why did you spend all your money and invest in the titanium shoehorns? I mean, you know, sometimes we just really, really wonder why we do some things, you know. We just don't have a good reason. The uh, mother was asking her little boy, why did you put the slimy frog in Lisa's bed? And he looked up at her and smiled and said, because she's my sister. <laughs> I mean, right? You just, 
anyway. Sometimes we don't have good reason. And we just do things on the spur of the moment, and then sometimes we regret what we do. But when it comes to our souls and our spiritual living, we should have good reason for what we do, shouldn't we? We should think it through. We should have good reason. Why do I believe this? Why do I do this? Why am I following this, uh, this doctrine? We should have good reason because our soul is at stake, our future is at stake, uh, eternity is at stake, and so we have, should have good reason. We can't be dare, uh, be careless or casual about those kinds of things. So here, that's in 2 Timothy. I've got to set this up for you. Some of you know the background here. 2 Timothy is the last letter that we have from the Apostle Paul. He may have written others, but this is the last one we have uh, as far as uh, time goes chronologically. Uh, he was in prison uh, probably, well, at least probably for the last time. Uh, scholars are pretty sure that you know, that this imprisonment was the one that was going to lead to his death, if you will, his martyrdom for Christ Jesus. And uh, he's kind of at the, uh, the end of his life, the end of his ministry, if you will. I don't think he's uh, dying, you know, he's not that old, but he understands, I, I'm pretty sure it's about over here for me. And so he's kind of reflecting in the whole letter. He writes to Timothy here, the, the, as we call it, 2 Timothy, to encourage him, uh, to uh, kind of remind him of a lot of the things he had taught him before, not just in the first letter, but he had spent a lot of time with Timothy on uh, some of the missionary journeys. And he called him his son in the faith, and he wanted Timothy to be able to carry on, okay, uh, and to keep going strong for God. So uh, he's, he's recounting a lot of these things. But then in this section of scripture that we're going to look at here out of this letter, we kind of have the heart of the letter, but really it's also the heart of Paul and the heart of Paul's whole ministry and whole life. Okay? Because he's kind of saying, you know, Timothy might be looking at him and say, here's Paul again in prison. And Paul saying, no, don't, don't think, think poorly of me. Don't think sadly of me. He said, this is where I am because this is where I want to be. I have good reason to be here. So let's read this section of Scripture, and then we'll kind of work our way through it. Paul says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. 
If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is, as I see it, the, the crux of Paul's life. And of course, he's using this, trying to transfer all these thoughts to Timothy here because he's going to be, if you will, moving on. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Paul was facing death at this time, and he had, this was his hope. Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus had been his anchor all his life, hadn't it? All his life he had held to Jesus. He said, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, I don't live, but Christ lives in me. Jesus was crucified and died even as was discussed by Mike around the table. But he came back from the dead. And this is Paul's hope. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Yes, he was crucified for our sins. Yes, he suffered greatly on the cross. But he was raised from the dead so that we might also someday be raised from the dead as well. This was the driving force in Paul's life. This was the power. This was the substance. And he says, remember, remember. You know, too often, again, we get caught up in the activities of life or the attacks of Satan and all the troubles, and we just start to say, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? What's this all about? But Paul would have us to say, remember Jesus Christ. And there's so much to remember about Jesus, isn't there? You know, not, not just that he was crucified and raised from the dead, but like was in our reading this morning, he was traded for Barabbas, a killer. He was rejected by his own people. He was railroaded by the Sanhedrin. He was not guilty of anything. And the spineless Pilate would not free him because he feared the people. So remember Jesus Christ. When things don't go your way, when you get railroaded, and somebody sells you out, guess what? Remember Jesus Christ. Same thing happened to your Savior and your God. But he came back. And that's our hope as well. And we will be vindicated in the end. All wrongs will be righted, I believe, on Judgment Day, and everybody will see and know the truth of all things. So you don't have to fear. You won't go into eternity with some kind of stigma on you that, well, she did this or he did that. No, God is going to make it all clear. It's going to be all right. Paul says he's a descendant of David. He was of the lineage of the Messiah from the Old Testament, the son of Jesse. He was the real deal, anchored in God's promise, anchored in prophecy, anchored in Israel's history from of old, from the foundation of the world, God's plan, descendant of David. According to my gospel, 
Now, Paul didn't concoct this gospel. In fact, you can read in the Galatian letter where he says, I didn't even, nobody even taught this gospel to me. No man did. But it was revealed to me by God himself. It's the gospel he taught. He didn't make it up. It was revealed to him by God. He says it's the one he taught. It's the one he believed in. It's the one who guided his life. He preached it everywhere he went. In all of his journeys, in every place, in every church, in every city. It's the one by which he lived. My gospel. And as I was thinking about this, I was reflecting that every one of us has a gospel. Did you know that? You all have one that you believe, don't you? Now, you didn't make it up, and we pray that it's the one that's in the book. But we all believe certain things, don't we? The gospel. What gospel do you live by? What gospel do you teach? What gospel sustains you day by day? What is the good news that you believe in? It's a question each one of us needs to answer. And Paul's saying, you know, this, I'm here and I'm okay. I'm good with where I am. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. Paul was willing to do the same thing. You can read in the Corinthian letters. I forget whether it's the first or second. There's a couple places where he, he lists a lot of his hardships. I don't know he lists them all. Beaten with rods, stoned once, left for dead, various shipwrecks, imprisonments, all these kinds of things. He suffered for the gospel for Jesus. Now he was locked up with criminals again. And it was probably seen as one, you know, according to Rome, you were probably guilty before you had your trial. I don't know exactly how that worked, but, you know, there he was in this dark dungeon somewhere. And uh, we know there is always a stigma attached to that for anybody who's been in prison uh, that, uh, wow, he's a bad person. She's a bad person. And you sometimes just can never shake that. Even though, as we say, you do your time and you get back on the right track, which we want people to do, but it's always kind of there. But Paul wasn't complaining. He was just stating a fact. I suffer hardship because of the gospel. I'm here because of Jesus, and it's where he wants me right now. But then he goes on to say, but the word of God is not imprisoned. Okay? And it's not. It's never, and it can't be imprisoned. Because it, it's all powerful. It goes by word of mouth. It can go through prison walls. It can go into hearts the hardest of hearts, and change them. It's never imprisoned. We, we can think over the centuries how many people have 
tried to eradicate the Holy Scriptures. Kings have tried to burn them all, collect them all and burn them. Uh, and people have predicted the Bible will, will be gone in the, before I die and so forth. Never happens. It won't happen. Because it's the Word of God and God is watching over it. The Word of God is not in prison. It's powerful. It's living. It pierces into the heart. It convicts of sin and also encourages. It gives us the truth about life. It builds us up. It edifies. It does all those things. We need to hear it. We need to read it. We need to study it. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And faith is strengthened by hearing, by reading and studying the Word of God. Verse 10. So then Paul says, and here we took the title for the lesson, For This Reason I Endure All Things. What reason, Paul? Well, for what he just said. Jesus Christ and my gospel for this reason. That's why he allowed himself to be imprisoned. He proclaimed it. The government didn't want him to proclaim it. He was railroaded by the Jews at one time and imprisoned. Um, he uh, he lived by it, and, and whatever happened, he said, it's going to happen. And so he's in prison now. He says, but that's, that's the reason. And it's a good reason, isn't it? In fact, it's the only reason to suffer and endure is for Jesus Christ. He endured all things. He's the foundation on which Paul built and he was willing to suffer, and he was willing to die, and he did die for Christ. And we're called to do the same thing. We see people in various situations in life, and they're willing to die for certain causes, aren't they? Men and women who put on a uniform are willing to die for their country. Noble an honorable thing. Those who maybe were in the police work, willing to die in that line of duty to protect you and me. Noble and honorable and gallant that they do that. Others, uh, even in the medical profession, endanger themselves in various places where there's terrible disease, but they go in to try to treat those who are sick. And sometimes they contract that disease and die. Very gallant. But this is Paul's reason to live and to suffer for Christ Jesus and for this good news, this gospel, that he was risen from the dead and there is life to come through Jesus. But notice this. As he goes on to say, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so they may also have eternal life and have eternal glory. 
Paul isn't doing this just for himself. And sometimes I think we as Christians miss this, okay? Yes, we have a concern for our own soul and our own future and our, our own uh, reward with God. And that's fine. But Paul also understands that his example here of his being in prison and his willing to suffer hardship also affects others out there in the church. As an I see it, what he's saying here, those who are now in the body of Christ, he wants to remain strong for them. Because if he gives in, he quits, he recants and says, no, it's not true, let me out of this prison, what's that going to do to them? Well, Paul's the one that taught me the gospel. Paul came here and, and, and he, he baptized me. Paul, uh, he's been all over this area preaching this word, and now he says it's not true. What would that do to those folk? And then I think he's also thinking down the road for you and me today that he is also doing this for us. That we see his example. And so many times we go to the scriptures, and of course we always look at Jesus, but we look at the other disciples and, and people who followed the Lord who remained faithful, and we use them as an example, don't we? Well, here's his example for us, still, still alive today, that he was willing to endure the hardship and the struggle and not give up. You say, I'm here for this reason, for Jesus Christ, I'm going to die. But so be it. But so be it. It's the best reason in the world to die for Jesus Christ and for believing in the gospel. Notice he says there that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Salvation is in Christ. It's nowhere else. Okay? That's where it is. And you have to be in Christ to have that salvation. You can't be outside of Christ. You might be a believer. In fact, we read, I think it's in the Gospel of John, about many of the priests at the time who believed in Jesus, but so they were not willing to confess him because they feared the people they were going to lose their place. And so just believing does not put you into Christ. And just believing does not give you salvation. You must be in Christ. And we have pointed so many times before to Romans chapter 6 and the first 10 verses. And I'm not going to go there today, but you really need to go there and read that about those who are baptized into Christ or baptized into his death. In fact, he's going to allude to that in the next verse, it is a trustworthy statement. If we died with him, we will also live with him. He's not talking about dying as he was going to die here for him in prison or as a result of his uh, preaching the gospel and his being arrested for that. He's not talking about the physical death. He's talking about if you have died with Christ, your life is dead in Christ and he is now living in you, again, through baptism. 
through faith and repentance and baptism, raised out of that water to a new life. That is where we get the new life. And he says that he's believing if we died with him, we will also live with him. Those are almost the exact words out of Romans chapter 6. And if that's never happened with you, you are not in Christ, and you do not have salvation. It's just plain and simple. I'm not trying to be mean or nasty. That is the teaching of the Word of God. And Paul knew it. And Paul was sure of it. And it what it anchored him that he was in Christ. Remember Jesus Christ for this reason. I'm in Christ. He's my all in all. He's my hope. And I'm, I'm anchored in him. Verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. A promise, but also a challenge. We have to endure. Paul was enduring. Paul endured many things. You and I uh, have not been called to endure the things for the gospel, for Jesus Christ, that Paul has been called to endure, was called to endure. Now, we all have to endure certain things, whatever those are, and they're usually different for most of us here in this country. We're not under attack for our belief in God, although there are places where and people who don't like Christians, they're trying to get rid of the gospel and remove God from the public square and from schools and all that. We're, we're aware of that. And so we have to endure sometimes some of those things and stand up and say, this isn't right. I still believe. I don't care what you do to me. You're going to throw me off this committee? Fine. I'm not backing down. We have to endure all things. Not give up. Not give in. And if we do endure, we continue to the end, faithful, serving him. We reign with him. Sometimes we miss this when, you know, we talk about eternal life, which it is life, but there's also this concept of reigning with him, and we've discussed this in other places. There is this glory that we're going to share with Jesus Christ. And as I've said before, he's going to make it all worthwhile. We're just going to, we're going to, we're going to forget this life. We really are. This life is nothing compared with the life that he wants to give us in the future. It's nothing. It's going to be so much grander, so much more glorious, so much more joyous. It's going to be super. Yeah, I think it's still going to be a new heavens and a new earth, but it's going to be the Garden of Eden restored. Anyway, I don't want to get off on that too far. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Sobering. He's just laying it out. You've got to remain faithful. You've got to endure. You've got to keep going. You've got to trust me. Yeah, sometimes we fall, but you've got to get back up and keep going. If you know, we say, no, I don't believe anymore. No, I'm going to stop following him. I'm going to turn back to the world like Demas did. Jesus can't say, oh, yeah, he's still mine. He won't say that. 
I remember, uh, I think it's in Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. Mike always liked to go there. The terrible words. Jesus said to those on his left hand, depart from me. I never knew you. Terrible words to hear. But he'll say them if we deny him. But he gives us so much help. The Holy Spirit, uh, Brian mentioned in the prayer, the scriptures, brothers and sisters in Christ, prayer. There's so much help here for us to remain faithful. And we need to take advantage and use all of those things to stay on track, to stay focused on remember Jesus Christ, right? Not to get caught up in the stuff and in the problems. Remember Jesus Christ. If we are faithless, in other words, again, if we turn away, we don't, we don't follow him, guess what? He remains faithful. I love this. Been digging into some thoughts about God, and God is truly amazing. God's patience and God's love goes far beyond us. We kind of alluded to some of that last week in our lesson. He can't deny himself. He says what he says. He says, I'm always going to be there. If we stumble and fall, if we go away for a while, and we come back, God is there. He's faithful. He says, okay, come on back. But we have to come back. We have to return. We have to get back on the track, if you will. He keeps his word to his own. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And for those who are wondering, he says, I'm here. I'm here waiting. You know, like the, uh, the parable of the, the father and the two sons. The one who took his inheritance and went away and spent it all. He blew it all. Riotous living. Wasteful. But what happened? came to himself. He says, oh, my father, he's got a lot of stuff. I'll just go back and be one of his servants. And he went back. And his father was looking for him, watching for him. And he welcomed him home. That's our God. He's faithful. He's faithful, and maybe he's waiting for you this morning. For you to come back, for you to obey the gospel. The question comes for each one of us from this lesson. There are many questions always. Why do you live the way you do? Do you have good reason for the life you live? What is it based on? Are you living for Christ? Even for the Christian, are you living... Because of Jesus? Or are you living because of tradition? Are you living out of fear? Fear you'll disappoint somebody in your family? Are you just living because of fear of the destruction in hell? Is that, is that the only reason you're doing what you do? Or do you remember Jesus? If you're outside of Christ, why do you live the way you do? 
Why are you following the ways of the world? What has the world promised you that is better than what Jesus has promised? You need to answer that question. Why do you keep Jesus at arm's length and not come to him? Questions to ask. Paul asked all those questions. He answered them. He remembered Jesus. He said, for this reason, I endure all things. I'm willing to die because I know that in him I'll have life in the end. If you want to come this morning for any reason, we're here. Brother Don's going to lead us. Please stand.